Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that the U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut. If you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Did you know that the bold, smooth taste of Dunkin' cold coffee can be brewed in your Keurig coffee maker and enjoyed at home? Dunkin's cold K-cup pods were crafted to be brewed hot and enjoyed cold. And of course, they're packed with the Dunkin' flavor you crave. Brew over ice and sip in seconds. Because the home with Dunkin' is where you want to be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter, at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I'm joined by good friend of the program, Nick Rudman, Director of Communications and Jack of All Trades over at Underdog Fantasy. Just kind of wanted to chat with him about the launch of the business, how it's gone in their first three years, the uh, the ever-changing world uh, and intersecting world of fantasy sports and gambling that Underdog is right in the middle of. And of course, as Nick is absolutely jacked, if you guys have followed him on Twitter, I had to ask him a little bit about lifting weights. Uh, if you guys enjoy this program and want more content, we do have a Patreon that you can subscribe to. I also have recently launched a fantasy football newsletter, the return of the automatic absolutes. You guys can find links to both of those things in the description of this show. Signing up to both of them is a great way to support the program, or you can just tell a friend about the show, or leave a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now let's go ahead and get into the episode. All right, everyone, very excited to welcome back to the program one Mr. Nick Rudman. Uh, he, the, the jack of all trades for Underdog Fantasy, and um Nick, I I am just very pleased to be internet friends with you because it's kind of a, a happy accident. I was I wanted Jeremy to come on the program um, back when Underdog relaunched, and he was like, "Bro, I'm way too busy for this shit. No chance. I'll give you I'll give you Rudman." And uh, I've been I've been very pleased to become internet buddies with you. How are you? How are you feeling today? I'm good, man. I am I am not my first time being a second choice to Jeremy. Uh, this is part of my jack of all trades role. Uh, so I get it and it's good to be back. Hey, that's actually low key, actually a very important job at, uh, startup <laughs> style is. companies, yeah. like being someone that the founder CEO grand poobah guy feels comfortable delegating stuff to as, as a lot of experience in startup style cultures. And, um, the guy, the guy who gets the delegation actually is a pretty important guy. Totally. Uh, and I met Jeremy, you know, at a snake draft in 2005. So, uh, yeah, the trust is there, especially on fantasy football. Yeah. Amazing. So it's, it's, uh, we did, I mean, we did our first podcast before best ball mania one even happened when, when, uh, you know, $2 million to first place, uh, a million dollars for the regular season when all of that was, was, but a twinkle in the eye, I guess. My first question is, I mean, how much of the success of the best ball tournaments in particular has been a surprise? Like, what was your projection for the appetite for this stuff? And then what has been the response? So, I mean, I think we had a pretty good feeling about what we could do in best ball early on and down the line. That was the impetus to start the business, was that we know there is this user base out there that loves best ball and that we can build a pretty good best ball game. So, you know, year one, a million dollar best ball mania one was ambitious for us. We did not expect to fill it. We did not fill it with 79% full. I do um, I do not remember that. I had I had completely memory hold that. Totally. Yeah, a lot of people don't remember the BBM one didn't fill. But 79% we were really happy with. Um, so that felt like a win for us. And best ball mania two and best ball mania three I would say surpassed to far surpassed our expectations in that we budgeted seven figures of overlay for both of them. I want to say maybe not seven figures for 
Best Ball Mania 2, which was $3.5 million. But we did not plan to fill either of them. Um, now, maybe we're just bad at projecting. Uh, and we always, you know, try to sort of under-promise and over-deliver even to ourselves sometimes. Um, but it's been crazy. I mean, the with the goal, a couple of goals we had early on were <clears throat> make football season year-round, like make it normal to draft for the next season in February and in March, right? And make our and make our ADP the norm. Like when people talk about is this play this player ranked higher than this player? We want to be the source of truth for that just by having the most money on the line or the most opinions expressed via entry fees uh, or drafts done. I think we've done a pretty darn good job of making football season year round. Uh, like drafting yes. in March now, that was weird for Best Ball Mania 2, even drafting in May. Now, if you're not drafting in March, like, I don't know what you're doing. I mean, even like, I, I consider myself a real sicko, but before this off season, I mean, I, I, so I did, I remember doing the, um, the Superflex ones last year, just cause I'm really intrigued by Superflex as a format, but they're, I think maybe even more surprising to me is that like, even sort of my casual friends now are like referencing ADP and things. Um, and I, I, that, that's probably the beauty of best ball is that like, you know, and, and look, I'm in all these fucking dynasty leagues and I'm doing trades and I'm doing rookie drafts right now, but that's like pretty intensive. And, you know, a dude with uh, a wife and kids or whatever doesn't want to be keeping up with all that, but ripping three, you know, big board drafts or whatever before bed, totally, totally fine. Totally manageable. It's, it, it really is. I mean, I, I actually would not be surprised in the future to see even some of your guys' competitors who do the managed leagues, um, you know, the FFPC and stuff. I actually would not be surprised to see them drift towards something more best ball oriented, whether it be the big championship ends up being best ball or, you know, waivers once every four weeks or something like that, because uh, our, I mean, our attention spans are just getting way more narrow. Totally. Although, so while I agree with that, it's also crazy how much room best ball has to grow. Like my Absolutely. friends are hardcore sports fans. They're not hardcore fantasy guys. Though. Like they're not drafting FanDuel salary cap people. They're in one Yahoo managed league. And I still can't really get them to play best ball that much. Like they'll do one and sort of forget about it. Um, so I think there's still, you know, endless room for best ball to grow, which is exciting. And yeah, with FFPC and like these managed businesses, it's amazing how much business they do on managed leagues. Like I am a big admirer of FFPC and so just how big they are and how true to like the hardcore fantasy guys uh, they are. But yes, obviously I'm a big fan of best ball. I think there's a lot of room to grow, a lot more people to adopt. Well, that's interesting because I, I think you're right. I think the overlap there is like, I think a lot of these guys who do, uh, you know, these big high stakes managed leagues, I would guess a lot of them did not max center best ball mania three For sure. and which seems insane right because the whole idea there is just like get as much volume as you can we have these guys you know hiring uh interns to do waivers for them and yeah i mean if you if you were just to do some napkin math of like okay how many people have ever done a fantasy football team for money right and and taken it seriously or like maybe the better way would be a person who has made a waiver claim in a fantasy league for money at some point who is not drafted a best ball team there's there's still like a huge amount of that market to capture so i get one of the as someone who well one i'm not in a state where i can legally do pickums and the the rivals games uh um maybe founded maybe unfounded concern is that that's obviously just so much of a better income generator right i mean we're we're talking about you know, building in planned overlay and, and maybe being worried about it being filled and sort of that being a customer acquisition tool. But maybe maybe that sounds like it's it's not founded if we think the prize pools can get even bigger. Prize pools can get bigger. They can never get big enough to be like a massive, massive business. Like if we want right. to, you know, we want to be, we're going to be in the licensed betting space. Uh, we want to compete with the biggest companies in the space. There's no realistic way to do that on the revenue of just draft games. Draft games are so core to our community and our culture and our brand and fantasy will never be a loss leader for us. Draft games are super important to us. Um, but yeah, as a business, you're not going to make billions of dollars running a best ball tournament, you know, without, without raking it to, to 
high heaven, you know, for I mean, sure. that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and like for us, best ball, it's about like, like you mentioned, it's acquisition, acquisition, it's retention. Uh, we want to give football fans something high engagement and social to do all year and something to come and check in on all football season. So for that, it's amazing. Uh, but yes, like you said, pickup is a much better revenue driving game. And just even like psychologically, uh, it, it builds the habit of loading the app up. Like I, I mean, I play fantasy sports every single day, but I don't, I don't always do like the daily drafts. Like I'm not like one of these badge bros in there in the dinger every single day, but I, I have noticed um, like, so I did do a couple dinger drafts. And then the next day when I went to the gym to go do my cardio, I was just like, well, I mean, I might as well hop in one. It, it is, it, it really does work your way. Uh, it really does find a pretty easy way into your routine, which is the, the daily drafts are interesting because it, I would imagine that's probably been an idea that people have had before, but it's sort of a chicken or the egg thing, because if you don't already have 5 million people or 10 million people on your app or whatever, you're not going to have people coming on to draft. They're not going to sit there and wait forever. You know, $500 first place isn't enough to get people to sign up. Like it's, it's one of those things you can only implement after you've already built quite a bit. Yeah. The hardest thing for any fantasy company to start with is, you know, being able to afford a guaranteed prize pool and have some confidence that you can actually fill the contest. And then liquidity, if you want to start a drafting company, like good luck. Uh, it's just so hard. We had we had a lot of luck. Uh, and then we had some built-in advantages in that people knew us from draft. So they were kind of ready for us to launch. There was no, uh, there were companies offering best ball, but I think people were ready for a more polished best ball and drafting experience. And we had COVID. So everyone was sitting at home. Uh, oh, I didn't even really not, think about that. Yeah, we launched March. I mean, March 2020 is when we like opened our Slack. And we launched uh, Best Ball Mania July 2020. Um, so we had a lot of advantages. Uh, people sitting at home ready to draft and people sort of waiting to get in our lobbies. Um, but yeah, daily drafts are super interesting. Unlike sort of everything else, kind of like I am not the biggest on uh, let's market via prize pool. Obviously, prize pool is great. Everyone wants to say you win a million dollars. But for dailies, it has really worked. Like dailies were so a little slower for us to pick up but once this year in nfl doing quarter million dollar weekly battle royales i think those prizes were a little too big to be ignored like the fact that you can do one draft in five minutes and win 50 grand and that we have people signing up doing their first draft ever and winning 50 grand that doesn't really happen on other sites where noobs can win like that um so right. yeah i'm excited the way the daily draft games have grown and i hope they keep growing when when did you guys start doing the daily drafts? We didn't have battle royales on launch, but I want to say we had them NFL our inaugural season. I think we had battle royales in 2020. And the price sure pools we were probably just like way smaller. Yeah, it was like five or ten thousand dollars. I was actually looking at I think the first battle royale and the guy had Drew Brees, which just like feels like 20 yeah. years ago. It does. But uh, but it was just it was just 2020. So, I mean, I think another thing, I don't know, I don't know if this is luck or if you guys uh, planned this out, but like, you know, all of these media companies, all of these, um, you know, gambling, force parlay apps, uh, gaming apps, whatever, DraftKings, FanDuel, all the competitors, they do all have a media arm and most of it's just really bad, you know, or, or maybe not even bad, but just targeted for a really general audience right it's it's like it's like stuff that could be on espn or cbs and no one would would bat an eye it's just kind of it's there um and i guess it was 2021 when you guys went really hard with the uh you know hiring josh and hayden and uh you know peter as a contractor and stuff i mean was that kind of a happy accident was that planned like what was the thought there so I, I, one, I'm glad you asked. Uh, I rarely get to talk about our content, at least to fantasy people. I talk about our content to content people, but uh, not to fantasy people. Um, I had wanted to do content since draft. Like a draft, I wanted us to do YouTube shows. You know, I'm a big, I'm, you know, whatever, very online. So, you know, I watch a lot of YouTube shows. I grew up on Barstool, you know, I was in Boston as a teenager. Um, so I sort of think I understood it. Uh, Jeremy did not see the value in content at draft. He came around by the time we started underdog. Uh, Josh followed our CMO Liz on Twitter and she was very flattered by this. 
and thought, all right, we should probably think about hiring this guy because uh, Liz has like 50 Twitter followers, no offense to Liz. Um, and yeah, we started working with Josh and I had always had bigger ambitions for our content network. We want it to be something that's independently valuable. And we we do so well on YouTube and Twitter that why wouldn't we want to work with people in like a closer way where we can sort of control the show, control the promotion, especially with how finicky we are about language, how finicky we are about brand. Like, you know, we don't do beer chugging, objectifying women. It's just like, which a lot of the industry or content sometimes leans into. Uh, so we just want to have more control over who we work with and how we work with them. And creatively, I think there's just lots of things we see are missing from the space uh, or, or shows that we just want to exist because we like them and we think other people will like them too. So whether it's, you know, Josh and Hayden doing their analysis, I hope the, the hope for them is that, you know, Sunday morning, they have the biggest fantasy ball show in the world one day. Right. Uh, or, you know, we just launched our show with Gilbert Arenas. We had our first live episode actually just concluded a minute ago. Uh, we think there's other ways to talk about basketball than just the way Bill Simmons does. I love I love Bill Simmons. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, Bill, Bill Simmons, like Malcolm Brogdon, sixth man of the year, right? It's like totally. Rud Rudman loves it. Yes, I do. I love Simmons, shamelessly. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's been creatively fulfilling and it's gone pretty well. We have Bryce Young coming up on Cut To It with Steve Smith and Coley. So, it's been going well. Which is, I mean, that's like, like a crazy sentence. It's like these guys who I, I, I think, um, I think something you guys did well is just like recruit people who are, uh, have like uh, a, a good Q score on Twitter, which is like kind of hard to find, right? Totally. Plenty of people what people just yeah, or or they'll be uh, they'll be they'll be real factions, right? People who love and or hate them, and I mean, I guess pro people probably love and or hate Steve Smith or or Josh McCown or whatever. But it is it is done. Who, who hates Josh McCown? I I don't know. <laughs> I I don't hate Josh McCown. I was absolutely stunned during the Anthony Richardson combine stuff to learn that the previous best athlete at the combine was Josh McCown. I would have it's never insane. guessed that yeah. in a million years. He does yeah. like windmill dunks and pick up basketball games. That's, I mean, that's um, pretty intense. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you think the people that we've worked with are sort of popular on Twitter. I mean, we definitely think about that. Like if Steve Smith was widely disliked by the fantasy community, maybe there's actually an angle where that could work. But, you know, we want people that our audience likes. Well, we're trying to bring in a new audience, but we still want our, you know, our first 30,000 Twitter followers is who I think about as like our hardcore audience. Uh, and I really care about those people and, and want them to like the content we're creating. I mean, that is, I wonder if that's a heuristic that would be more successful in business widely. You know, uh, look, because uh, like great example would be, I, I'm like really hopelessly addicted to um, FIFA Ultimate Team have been for so long. And it is a, a product that, I mean, the amount of money that EA Sports makes off of this one game mode, it's like like billions a year. It's If they fucked this up or it wasn't, an, a, they couldn't offer it anymore, the company would go bankrupt. And every year it just kind of gets a little bit worse and it gets a little bit further away from what it was. And um Again, I'm I'm not a great corporate strategist or whatever, but I've never heard anyone explain it that way. Like the first thirty thousand Twitter followers, and I think in general, if companies did, obviously, you know, some mega companies is like they don't even care. You know, it just is what it is. But like startup culture, I I feel like that would be more a more successful way to run a lot of these companies. Uh, yeah, we definitely think about those early people a lot. You know, there's that there's that like sort of famous stuff like your ten thousand hardcore fans. And you have an army or whatever. Uh, so, you know, I think about those 10,000 people all the time. And like, you know, the Badge Bros is a good example. Like, these are people, they don't may, might not have a million Twitter followers, but they deeply care about our games and are evangelists for us as a company. And like, I would imagine their audience's referrals are higher than a normal user. And, you know, we're just really sensitive to mean tweets too. We just want people to sort of like us and have like a nice community and not an adversarial relationship with our users, which I understand is kind of natural because you are giving us uh, your money and you, you may or may not get it back depending on the game you're playing or how you do. So I get it. Uh, but we just want to be friends with the people who hang out with us online. Yeah. And you guys are also in a, a unique spot where there are the UD Anon people yeah. because of the way, because of the way the game works. And I mean, this is true of like, you know, there's the, 
there there are these uh 76 IQ people who were like yeah you know FanDuel knew I was going to take them for $716 on a parlay so they told DeAndre Ayton not to get any more rebounds so like to a certain extent uh to a certain extent it's it's like unavoidable in sports betting because it does bring in some of your lowest common denominator but maybe because it just feels like underdog is a really like it's just a really online company i i think you guys get quite a bit of that we do i think that is part of that's the price for being really reachable you know it's very easy to get my attention it's very easy to get the company's attention online because we read every tweet and we reply to them because we want to answer people's questions uh there is risk and downside that comes with that the way we deal with that and what i always tell like our ops team or when we're doing anything remotely sensitive just need to keep the truth on our side all the time i would not feel so comfortable sort of being so open if i thought we were hiding things or doing things in like a bad way so it's just kind of it's easy to be transparent if you're not doing anything wrong um sometimes level of transparency that is asked of us i is just laborious or unreasonable or you know what i'm not going to earn that person's trust and that's okay if they don't trust us they shouldn't play with us uh and that's kind of fine and part of the deal and you should only play with operators that you trust i mean there are just going to be people who are mad online regardless you know there are there are people to this day who you know insist that uh, you know, DraftKings doesn't have like a player reserve or whatever, or right. just like that, you know, or just anything like that. Like there just are, there are a, a segment of online cranks who can't be won over regardless. I've learned that the hard way trying to win them over. Uh, yeah. So yes, yes, I agree. There are some people that are just crazy and hopeless and I hope they have a good time being mad online. I don't know. <laughs> I've had, I've had fun being mad online, so I get it. Sure. Yeah. Who, who amongst us, who amongst us hasn't. So yeah. the, um, the uh the the picks the evolution of the picks contests i mean it's it's uh, you know you begin you begin with nfl you have nba baseball like there are publicly available projections there are ways you can build that in house uh like i i when i do drive over the border uh like for the super bowl or for the masters or whatever to go start firing i'm i'm completely overwhelmed by the menu uh you know wnba league of legends like how how big has the uh, I guess what would that be your not a, not a risk management team? I guess do you just have a bunch kind of, of a bunch of uh, nerds doing Excel and a risk management team. Yeah, I mean, I I refer to them as the risk team often. That's not their official title in, internally. I just think it sounds kind of cool. Uh, it does sound cool. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's the ops team, but yeah, I call them risk team. And a lot of it, you know, there's sources for us to copy. Uh, that said, we are creating a lot of projections on our own. I'm trying to think of the last one that we fully created on our own. Maybe it's three point contest. Like how many shots is so higher or lower from like the starry icon, like what replaced Sprite or whatever. Right. Uh, so credit to the team for creating their own out of thin air. That is fairly rare though. Like we source these things from people that are, you know, more pro at this and then we'll move on money or volume. Um. So in terms of, I guess you guys, because you know the the like a straight up sports book does it in a little bit of a different way because they they can do like a price discovery period where it can be like you could bet ten dollars, twenty dollars, five hundred dollars on a line or whatever, and then when we get real sharp action, it starts to move. And maybe this is just because I don't have enough experience because it's not available to me. But how much are you guys? Uh, you know, doing price discovery in that way, or is it Jordan sort of like if we get if we get hammered on a bad Draymond Green rebounds line, like whatever, we get hammered on a bad Draymond Green rebounds line. Yeah, we just accept some losses here and there. We don't really operate. I mean, we're so different than those companies in what the game is and how we operate it that yeah, well, you know, the game is people win. Uh and that includes a bad Draymond Green rebound projection. Um, but yeah, like those sports like WNBA and esports, it's crazy how big they are. Like that's a significant chunk of our volume is in non-NBA, non-NFL, although NBA and NFL remain king. And I would guess 76% of your action in NFL pickums is five leg uh over NFL parlays, right? It's just like 
I'm at I'm at the bar with my buddies. I'm at, I'm I'm on the couch watching Red Zone. I'm trying to I'm trying yeah. to fire uh fifty dollars to yeah. win five hundred dollars all on overs. We do not love to acknowledge how much people like hires versus lowers. Right. Um, but yes, they, they do. Like, I'm not going to lie. People will definitely play higher more than lower. But, you know, other sites, you see them do like discounts and kind of lean in to that everybody is taking the higher. We don't like to do that. Don't want to influence play. The lower button totally exists. Uh, not not on mine. That's It's not activated <laughs> on mine. I mean, I've been, I've been around uh, fantasy games and sports betting um basically my entire adult life i know that unders are just uh like you know every off season every preseason these dudes will will pass around like had you just bet every available under available at x sports book you would have won 63 percent of your wagers you would have cleaned up and no one does it no one cares which at uh, uh, Chris Raybon, I saw him tweet this once. He's like, it's actually one of the most insane things that people don't like unders or lowers in in underdog parlance because you're winning when the game starts. Uh, that should be that should be a good feeling. But we are so psychologically conditioned uh, to go the other way. It's 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 and, and I should know. I truly should know better, and I've never learned better. Yeah, uh, when people get mad at us about oh, this guy was injured and I had higher. Uh, believe it or not, telling them they could take it the lower is not an effective method to deal with the customer support. Nobody wants to hear that, uh, even though it remains true. How, how, uh, yeah, it, it did lowers for like NBA guys who get scratched, does it count as a lower or does it get, does it get for nuked sure. out? No, 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 no. If you take lower on LeBron James, 23 and a half points, uh, combined with Jason Tatum over 22 and a half points, and LeBron rolls his ankle in the first half. Yeah, you're. If he didn't score those points, you're gonna win. Or what about what about uh, rest though? Then it then it's just it's just void or whatever. Like when LeBron's yeah, out if, if, they, if they if they take the court, it it, it counts. Uh, if if it's load management and he doesn't play, it's yeah, it's void. How I mean, with the NBA, I get. I mean, I again, I would guess the NBA not obviously as big of a a part of of the product, but I mean, I it's, do it's think actually it's like in some ways it's bigger. That's it, I mean, it, dep it, it, it depends how you measure, but NBA is enormous for us. It's every night. Uh, well, okay, that's true. Yeah, you're getting you're getting what was it like 150 regular season slates versus 17 regular season slates. Yeah, and, I mean, NFL Sunday is you know a bigger day than an NFL day for but, sure, uh, or the NBA day rather. But uh, NBA is enormous. But I mean, I like uh, I mean, this is kind of, this is only tangentially related, but I do feel like sports betting companies, fantasy companies whatever i do feel like they've been kind of put in a predicament by all of the resting load management or whatever like for example if you want to go and if you like you think you might have an edge like oh i think this guy might be out like a lot of the times the the products are just not being offered or you'll go to bet a menu for a game and it'll only be three guys it'll be you know you want to bet a pelicans game you'll get uh you'll get herb jones because he's the only one who plays every single night and anyone who is questionable or uh a star like you might not be able to bet a luka Doncic anything until 4 p.m when it's confirmed that he's playing like it does seem like a problem for sports wagering specifically uh yeah i can't speak to how the books handle it uh with regards to fantasy it's an issue but i think our users are fairly forgiving. We're doing the best we can. We don't, we know the exact same stuff you know with regards. Right. To play. It's not like it's not like Woj is is setting you guys up with like, hey, Kawhi's not going to play tonight. <laughs> right. Underdog NBA doesn't actually sometimes does know before Woj. It's, it's um, true. It's true. But yeah, where that really presents an issue for us is you know we offer Luca at noon. We don't really know until four or something, and then you you pick you know you pick four Hawks, and then you pick Luca. And then Luca's sitting. So by the time it's 3 p.m., you know Luca's sitting, that whole entry is already void because you can't win or lose with only Hawks players. You have to have oh, two. Oh, interesting. More, you have to have two or more active selections from two or more teams. Okay. That's interesting. I hadn't I I've not been presented with that one yet. Okay, I got we got an idea. I crowdsourced this from the Deposit Kingdom from Peter's Discord. Round Robin parlays so like let's say uh first first play in game i just like i'm like lebron is playing 48 minutes he is getting whatever his points rebounds assist prop is i want to do this like 
1900 different ways, but instead I have to go through and click 40 times or whatever to go do all of these. Uh, is this, is this in the future? Is this something, I mean, legally, I don't even know. Uh, but I, I, I was immediately, my, my curiosity was immediately piqued. It's a very interesting idea. The regulation around this is so sort of sensitive and tight and unclear to me personally. Sure. That I'm going to punt on if it's possible. I lean no. I lean yeah. it's not possible. Um, we play it very safe and just abide by regulation to a T. Uh, and we probably play it even a little safer than that. So I don't really know, to be honest. What, uh, I mean, what was your guys' experience like with regulators because you do i mean from from my from where i'm sitting it all just sounds terrible it like truly sounds like you know you're meeting with some senator's aide the aide doesn't really give a shit the senator themselves doesn't know has no clue what any of this is and it just cut like and and there are some states where legally some sports betting or or, or uh you know pick them games could be active but like the fees are insane um, but just like generally speaking, what has your experience been with on the regulation front? I don't, that's, I would point to our lawyer, general counsel, Nick Green, who's, uh, been amazing working with these folks and we love the regulators. Can't say enough good things about the regulators. Um, love, love, well, look, we noted, noted fans of regulators here on the take cast. Thank yeah, you. No one loves for, regulation more than we do. Thank you for, for feeling the UIGA. <laughs> I wish, uh, that my representatives here in the state of Missouri would would get on board? Uh, it is fun to be in sort of such an evolving space where things change and, you know, people are making arguments for this, arguments for that. And, you know, I mean, we're clear, very clearly guided by established laws. And I think people are just starting to take, I don't know, different states have different approaches. I don't have that much insight into it. Uh, my main experience with regulators was when we were launching in pennsylvania just for draft games uh i have to like myself register as like a casino operator or something i don't know like right. pennsylvania gaming commission and it was the most intense thing i've ever done i have to tell them every tattoo that i have i have to tell them if i've ever met anybody like in the mafia every personal detail about my entire life um i had to tell them about which was pretty interesting it was like paperwork took like weeks it was insane forever um, but yeah uh, yeah but otherwise i don't know it's a, i'm sure it's a lot you know we spend a lot of money on it. we spend a lot of time on it and i think it's going pretty well i think they're pretty happy with us well i mean i would i would hope so a good a good clean face uh for for legalized sports betting i mean it has uh i mean i don't know what i actually don't know this what were you doing before draft what was your what was your gig uh I, just before draft i was actually i was working in jay glazer's gym uh in hollywood called unbreakable and i was training sylvester stallone i mean how is that how has that never come up before that is uh that's pretty good yeah yeah he has like a really fancy celebrity gym uh i got to work with a lot of cool people you know with demi lovato the shane smokers the jonas brothers uh ricky seals jones and love Ricky a lot, Seals Jones. Yeah, love Ricky Seals. Um, a lot of those people are training for performance. They want to stand up and sit down. They want to be healthy. They have to perform on stage all the time. They're traveling. Sure. That's not really what I do. I actually don't know anything about that. Um, I do like 1970s bodybuilding. You and... you do you do the Arnold arm workout where you're totally. you're do you're you're doing shoulders and then you go in for shoulders and then you come home and you eat and then you go back and you do shoulders again. <laughs> Um, which Stallone loved. So we were, we were a good fit and I worked with Sly for about a year. Um, before that I launched an athletic apparel brand with some friends in LA. It actually did kind of well and then it failed. Uh, but it was a good learning experience. And yeah, then I called Jeremy and I, I he had just raised money for draft and I said, I'll do whatever you want. You don't know everything about this shit. And he said, okay, you can do customer support. And I took over as a customer support team of one from our VP of design here at Underdog, David Gamboa, who made the app look as beautiful and work as well as it does. I uh, was doing our withdrawals at draft with like a pen and paper and like ans answering every email right. and start doing support from social and just sort of grew from there. I ended up being the director of support at draft 
sort of the voice of the brand. And then we've had this weird interim period between drafts and underdogs about a year and a half where I did a couple different things, including work for FanDuel for a couple of weeks. Uh, and then we got eight of the original team members back together, plus Dom, our, our Android lead, and third underdog. Well, that is, uh, I don't know what I expected, but that was not, that was not what I expected. I, my, my next thought was like it to me as someone who's been in the fantasy space, it's, it's truly been a wild experience to see everyone and all these large companies drift towards sports betting and, you know, uh, pickums and, and all that stuff. Like it just, which I think is natural. I mean, it's just, it is just so much easier to place a bet than it is to draft a fantasy team and manage a fantasy team. Although I do suppose best ball is like a, a fairly happy middle for that. But uh, the, this like to me, I mean, sports betting is what with the handle of sports betting in the United States versus the handle of every fantasy company or every fantasy game. It's gotta be like 10 X. Yeah. The stat that always blows my mind. And I don't know exactly how to whatever quantify it. Um, we are launching our sports book in Colorado. That's the first, that's the first place, or we'll have licensed sports betting games in Colorado. The, the total adjustable market of Colorado sports betting is bigger than our entire fantasy business. Uh, and you know, we're in 40 plus States. So it is crazy how much bigger gambling is than, than fantasy. It's like a whole different market. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just ease of access. People are more comfortable with it. People understand it more. Um, I mean, I, I am very much hoping though that the the fantasy market stays the same. Like I I'll need I need to be max entering best ball mania like at least until I'm fifty. I can't I can't have it go anywhere. You got to you got to promise me. Yeah, we have no plans to abandon fantasy or stop caring about fantasy. For me, both fantasy and sports gambling is not so much about winning money. I get much more joy from the social validation of being right. Uh, totally the more the more innovative ways we can give you to express an opinion and then victory lap that opinion or make you feel better about being right uh the better that's why like listen i don't want to talk shit about uh micro betting in case we ever offer it um but who cares that you predicted the next pitch was a strike like i the the, the social validation for that doesn't move the needle for me and like you know winning a hundred dollars doesn't do a lot for me losing a hundred dollars really hurts um but i just love being right that's why personally like i love futures like if i if i were to bet the lions win the super bowl and i was right like everybody has to say like wow, far, far and away the smart. best type of betting yeah far yeah. and away yeah like hitting hitting a good future i mean one it's also it, it's it feels like found money like you come back to your oh, account and you're yeah, like yeah. i'm about to go rip off <laughs> so many prop bets i'm about to rip off so many daily drafts because this money's but that's what the i mean the end of best ball season feels like that too it's like i that that money is gone to me i enter those best <laughs> ball drafts it might as well not exist whatever ends up coming back to me just it's nothing but gravy like i just that that is written off as a loss immediately it's the that's that is a sneaky um what is the right i mean that's just all upside for you guys there's no other way to do it it's not like you right. can pay people out incrementally or whatever, but that is that is just a built-in feature of the best ball business. I would say that your kind of thinking shows up on the bottom line. Uh, yeah, when, yeah, when no doubt. Pays out. It's it's a big deal for us. So uh, I mean, look, best ball, best ball paid out, and I spent um, I spent the entire week after that trying to chase Pat Corain and uh, get back to even. We didn't we didn't quite get there. That is that's another sneaky bit of good luck. I think for you guys, all three winners of Best Ball Mania have sort of been uh, community members in the content game. I well, maybe it's probably good for getting more people on the app or whatever. But the the money maker story uh, is is maybe a little bit more appealing. Although I mean, there was a million dollar regular season winner that was more of a of a money uh, money maker style style story. Yeah, it, it, it cuts both ways. Um, in that, yes, it's cool. And one, it shows what a game of skill it is, is that like these people that grind the content and grind Twitter all summer are winning. Like it, it's because paying attention matters. Like being in the community matters, being part of the conversation matters. Um, yes, I would kind of like someone that no one's ever heard of to do one entry, win $2 million. 
But we right. get that story. We get that story all the time. Not with two million dollars, but with you know fifty thousand dollars. Or I think the guy that came in second in Bestball Mania or came in third had like two entries. I was gonna say yeah, he had he had like single digits. I remember. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is which is pretty cool. Really cool. So yeah, it cuts both ways. Uh, I think the person that won our big basketball tournament this year, Double Dribble, had one entry in a poorly constructed team and had not logged in since he drafted this team. Imagine that. That's an all-time yeah. found money scenario. Yeah, yeah I think he that found guy, 50 that, grand. Yeah, I mean, uh, and hopefully more of the winners uh, do less Karain and keep more of that money in the ecosystem. Can't believe can't believe Karain hit that withdraw button so easy. We got we to gotta have a talking to with him. All right. I gotta, I gotta talk to you about weightlifting now. Uh, we we almost got there. I mean, one. I well, I guess everyone's. Did you play? Did you play football in high school? A, Is that? Uh, I'm a terrible athlete. Uh, I'm I'm a just I I don't know how to say it. I'm a bad athlete. I have no hand eye, no nothing. Uh, I I was okay at wrestling, but no, I'm a I'm a bad athlete. I was a good leader. I was a captain of lacrosse because of leadership. But I was terrible. That's so funny. So you're are you big you big Goggins guy, big leader, Jocko Jocko Willink. Yeah, kind of. I think those. I mean, they're a little cheesy, but they're cool. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's ultimate. That that's ultimately where I land as well. Pretty pretty yeah. cheesy, but like, uh, I think it's easy. Like my thing is with people like that is very easy to call someone like that cheesy and then go back to my couch and fucking munch For some sure. Cheetos. I, right. I'm more like a Rich Piana guy than a David Goggins guy um rich piano rest in peace um yeah rest in peace yeah just more like mm, i don't know what you would call them sort of like maniac juice heads um rather than like true motivational jocko types like we get it man you woke up at four in the morning that's not for everybody right yeah no i'm with that so uh that's the that's the opposite of me i've always been into sports uh it's my 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 naturally small figure meant that I was not playing football or basketball or whatever, but golf, skateboarding, soccer, all that stuff. But I never lifted weights. I don't think I, I don't think I, I mean, I, I know I, I never squatted, deadlifted or benched until I was 30. Basically. I've wow. never, I've never done it. Um, and I, I can't, I can't imagine I spent my whole life not doing it now. How did you, how did you get into the gym as someone who was, do you just want to get big? Was that as that simple as it was? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I think like my whole life, I've just been kind of interested in bodybuilding, whatever. Like I loved Arnold Schwarzenegger when I was a kid. My brother and my dad are huge and they were good at sports. My brother, uh, you know, he played college football. I was sort of the runt. I still played football until this was like right when concussions got like really hot as like a bad thing. So I got oh, a few right. concussions and my doctor was like, cut it out, stop playing football. So I stopped, I was like an early adopter of stopping to play football. Uh, I also wasn't back. I, I wasn't very good. I was, I mean, I was okay. Um, and then I moved, I, I lifted in college for pretty typical reasons, you know, uh, meet women, whatever, like shallow right. bullshit. And then I moved to Venice beach uh, just after college and I lived right next to gold's gym and I was just instantly addicted. Like once I went there, and I was lifting next to Arnold and Magic Johnson and the biggest bodybuilders in the world. Uh, I was just completely addicted. And I was there every day for years uh, until I was good enough at it that it felt like uh, it felt fun. Like I compare my weightlifting to golf, uh, like the way that some people love golf. I just love lifting weights as like a challenging game where you just keep trying to get better at it. And it sucks and it's hard and it's humbling um but you know you just keep at it I, that's that's really that's really the trick right i mean that is that is the trick of of getting better at anything um is there's this great there's this great passage from marcus release's meditation that's like you're never going to get better at the thing you want to get it's it the, i'm paraphrasing obviously don't have uh the way with words but it's basically like you're never going to get better at the thing you want to get better at until you learn to love it or until you learn to love like being bad at it. Like you love the failure as much as you love the success. And I mean, I, I golf, golf is fucking hard. Weightlifting is way easier than golf. I, I think, I, I think the average person could probably squat 315 way easier than they could break 80 on a golf course. I think probably, but maybe, maybe the line for 315 is then 90. 
right um, sure yeah that, i guess i guess that's probably fair yeah that's that's but, a better yeah that's a better I mean, way I to you. think of it you have to you have to really want it like if you're doing this for somebody else or like i said like in college if you're doing this to like impress women or just get a better physique whatever you like ct fletcher says you have to be obsessed like you should be like dreaming about your goals or or how you want to look or how strong you want to be uh and i am obsessed i just love it so what have you made of sort of the the Huberminification, the Joe, like weightlifting now is like kind of cool. There's like a weightlifting culture, like a lot, like people are, uh, like among young people, it's like, it's sort of like, there's like a trend of like, uh, you know, being sober and taking, you know, taking your daily greens and stuff, which is sort of, there's always been health and wellness trends for like, as long as Western society has existed. And maybe it's just my bubble, but it feels way more prominent to me now than it ever had at any point to me in my life before, like last year or so. Yeah, so I sort of felt like the majority of my adult life, I actually didn't think that bodybuilding was that popular. I thought it was like a lot of like orange theory or CrossFit or like functional yeah. training. And I actually think that bodybuilding is getting pretty popular. Like I feel like TikTokers to like care about their physique and stuff. And like, right. Uh, so I like that. I, mean, I think the aesthetics of it are great. I am not a pure, like, God, I'm definitely not an Olympic lifter. I could not care less about Olympic lifting. Uh, I care about powerlifting. I like to be like sort of right in the middle. Um, but I don't think, I personally don't find it very fulfilling to be like a big fat so that can bench 500 pounds. Like if you can do that, right. with abs, that's cool to me. Uh, and I think like TikTok bros and women, um, I feel that's, like more that's actually, that's now. actually one of the coolest things is like the, probably at my gym, like equal number of men and women lifting weights. There are like, 60 year old moms doing bicep curls next to me in the morning. I'm like, that's cool as hell. Like that, like totally. that is, that is not, that is last 10 years or so of evolution. I would feel like. Yeah. So my gym in Miami, you know, most shallow superficial place in the world. And my gym is full of major female influencers. You know, these ladies with millions of followers, it is people think like, Oh, this is Photoshop and it's surgery. These women work so fucking hard and are so strong. You ever, uh, you ever really, want to feel, you ever want to feel small, go next to like a female influencers, like leg day, be like, you are not getting insane. through that shit. It's you will insane. get, you will get killed. Yeah. They're working with like mega hardcore trainers. Uh, they are squatting 315. They're, they're beasts. So yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. I mean, I don't like all the tripods, uh, all the filming. Couldn't, the couldn't, do, couldn't do that. That's too much. Yeah. You better have a million followers. If you have a million followers, I get it uh if you don't that's 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 rugman's line for yeah. sure yeah <laughs> so the the celebrity training i i'm i guess i would have assumed most of them were training for aesthetics i mean that's that's what you like christian bale trains for a movie or zach efron trains for a movie or whatever and i mean one uh the, what the hemsworth brother one of them one of them's really ripped right liam, yeah, liam i think it's pretty jacked yeah uh I, you would assume one, they're mostly doing it for aesthetics. They don't care about form or functionality. So I, I was yeah. surprised to hear you say that. Well, I think with actors, that might be true. And I actually didn't work with that many actors. But with people like Demi Lovato or people like the Chainsmokers uh, or the Jonas Brothers, that's like all. I mean, yes, they're flying private everywhere. It's still a pretty hard life. Like they're doing a hundred shows a year. They're jumping and you're not, around you're not getting stage. good sleep or good nutrition totally. probably. So like they have to perform like an athlete um where stallone yeah only cares about aesthetics um just wants to look amazing always ask me hey did you see arnold at goals how tall is he is he taller than me did he shrink yet yeah um, that's so, so gnarly dude yeah how much yeah. what was what was your what was your what was the sylvester stallone when you were working and then what was his what was his split like what was he doing he really didn't for as amazing as he looked uh he really didn't take it that seriously seriously he liked to tell stories the whole time he was always there with his boy who just bring his friend who's like this old producer guy uh he liked to talk about watches and he liked to do feats of strength like he would be like hey can you do a one-arm pull-up or he'd be like hey can you palm that dumbbell and hold it or like right. hey i'm gonna put these chains on my back let's see how many one-arm push-ups i can do i'm like all right Sly, let's, let's see how many one-arm push-ups you can do um now, it was, it's kind of interesting because, like, you know, I worked with him almost every day for a year. We have no relationship. Like, we're not friends. Like, he's met so many people in his life. Yeah, you just, you are, you were a blip on his radar. Yeah, he's like, he, totally. could, he couldn't pick you out of a crowd. Totally. Um, but it was really fun. Uh, he was a very interesting guy. It was, this was actually in 2016. 
So it was right when Trump was getting, you know, mega famous when he was running for president. And he's boys with Trump. And he has Google alerts on for his name. And he'd be like, Nick, I don't understand. These people are saying lots of mean things about me. Like, what's going on? And I'm like, it's because your your boys are Trump and everybody kind of hates him. And he's like, I don't get it. It's just my friend. Like, why are people saying mean things about me online? I'm like, you're, you're 71 years old, Sly. This is just how there's, it works now. There's Yeah, there's just no way. There's no way to... <laughs> Like that, he he's not he's not in these streets grinding uh, arguments with egg people on on Twitter. That's that's not his uh, his purview. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Last thing you mentioned, like what, like a month ago, you were like, I'm gonna I'm going all in on health shit. I'm not I'm not training for X Y and Z. I'm not optimizing for body fat or whatever. I'm I'm just going in for the health. What have you done, and have you noticed any difference? So I'm still optimizing for body fat. Um, oh interesting yes uh well not fully body fat but pretty close i still aesthetics are still first um strength is second health is still third but i i do care about health much more than i used to uh i have fallen off in some of my commitments now what does that mean it means instead of just doing rice i was doing half rice half quinoa uh it i was thinking about doing you know weird shit like taping your mouth shut to like breathe better um things i'm still doing consistently chia seeds fiber pills i don't eat vegetables i've never had any vegetables i've never had lettuce i've never had a tomato no fucking way yeah how yeah. is that what, what i don't even you've never had a caesar salad no that, that's the last fucking thing i'll ever eat um, that is insane to me yeah i'm scared where'd you grow up where'd you grow up what part boston. of the country boston what do they not have veg you you would you eat potatoes Oh yeah, yeah. It's not. A, I'll eat starch, and I'll do like a jalapeno, but like anything else green, I'm not doing that. I'll, I'll do onions too, but I started eating onions when I was probably 25. Uh, but yeah, like lettuce, tomato, mushrooms, beans, guacamole. I don't do any of that. Well, guacamole um, is disgusting, so you don't need to eat that. But I'm. Yeah. I am. So, I am shocked by this. Yeah, I just don't. I don't. I never will. Uh, my parents tried to make me when I was a kid. I did. I just sat there all night they were like you're gonna sit there till you eat those vegetables i was like well i'll just fucking stay here then you know uh, funnily enough my wife has the same thing but hers is like red meat she's like i'm not eating fucking steak you know because because it was like she was five and got a tough piece of steak and they were right. like you you have to finish that or whatever and she's just been like nah it's not for me so my, my commitment to health really at this point all it means is i take fiber supplements i take some probiotics I eat chia seeds. I eat a lot more fruit than I used to. I used to think fruit was just junk food. Like it's just sugar. So like, what's the point? But I actually do feel a bit better eating so much fruit. And I train legs twice a week. That was also a change. I mean, yeah, you got to have, you got to have one flexibility and mobility leg day and one Tom Platt's leg day. That's, uh, there, that's I do. I have, I have two Tom Platt's leg days. Just because people were making fun of your calves on Twitter. Yes. Yes. Well, I, I just split it between hams and quads. I do hams on one day, I do quads on the other day. I I can't I can't give up I can't give up my my flexibility or mobility. Like that's like single I'm, leg. I'm stuff. sure I'm sure it feels good, but like I don't know. What do you hope to get from that? Are you gonna like jump over something? Yeah. Yeah. I wanna I wanna remain like I wanna remain like uh able to skateboard and play pickup basketball and soccer until okay. I'm like yeah. fifty five. Like I, I don't wanna be I, I have been noticing that I'm 30 now. So I just noticed this more like people around me who are not that much older than me really having diminished capacity in their life, you know, catching, sucking wind, walking upstairs, like being afraid of fall, like falling on the ice. Uh, and I'm like, I just, I am absolutely not signing up for a life where like my uh, adventure ends at 45. Like I, I want to be doing shit when I'm 65. Fair. Yeah. I, don't, I guess I don't do that stuff. I'm so bad at that. I'm so bad at basketball. They're like I've just I don't need to be able to play basketball. You don't you don't get I mean yeah you're competitive though you don't get you don't get any joy out of any of this stuff. Uh, I get it from predicting the NFL draft and from lifting weights. Those are like the two things where sure. I want to be better than somebody else. I mean I get it and and like obviously like the resistance training is going to keep you far more supple than yeah. th than the average bro until you're a lot old. Although some of those old bodybuilders man. They are like Ronnie Coleman, tough scenes for some. Yeah. Now, obviously their situation, a lot different. They lifted through injuries and did so, so much steroids that their bodies right. are in a different spot. 
Yeah, his spine is fused into one piece. Yeah, that's really gnarly. Yeah. Uh, all right, last thing. Patriots 2023 season. We, do we want Zappy? Do we want Lamar? What are we what are we doing? Are, have we lost faith in Bill? Like where where is the head of of Patriots Homer Nick Rudman? <laughs> I, I appreciate the title. Uh it's been a roller coaster. I am not I'm certainly not quitting on Mac. Mac uh was really good as a rookie. I, I you know I've said this a bunch. If you disagree, you didn't watch it. Like he was good as a rookie, period. The numbers are good, the film is good. He sucked last year. Uh he got dealt a really bad situation. I'm not totally absolving him because he dealt with it poorly. I think last year was the worst year in the history of coaching for like any sport. Like it's so rare that you get coaching that bad because that person would be fired. But because Belichick is Belichick, he can't be fired, or at least not, not last year. They're like the Urban Meyer Jags doesn't get to last that long. Um, I have come around this offseason to actually not fully blaming Belichick for that. I actually think I'm kind of blaming Kraft. I think he might be cheap. There's no reason that Matt Patricia was doing architectural work for the meeting rooms, which he was. He's doing like building planning shit. Is that true? Yes, yes. And he's the offensive coordinator and he's the offensive line coach. Why didn't we hire an, an offensive line coach? There's no way. I don't care how much Belichick loves Patricia. There's no way he didn't say, hey, I want to hire this offensive line coach for a million dollars. And Kraft say to him, you know what? Just fucking make it work with your guy, Patricia. Um, so I feel like Belichick am... wouldn't stand for that shit. I mean, I feel like Belichick could like, I mean, I guess, I don't know. Maybe he's, maybe he's in his convalescence and, and just doesn't want to fight the old man that much, but like, or, or maybe that's actually Belichick's very old school mentality uh, well, his dad was in the Navy, right? Yeah. Of just being like, you know, uh, I'm stranded in the wilderness with a magnifying glass, a pack of cigarettes, <laughs> right, and uh, and like I'm just gonna make it work. Yeah, it, it it is pretty strange though that Patricia was doing architectural work for us while being the offensive off, offensive line coach while being the offensive coordinator. And then you know, I talked to Mike Lombardi at the Super Bowl, and I was asking about our coaching staff, and we just hired an offensive line coach, Adrian Clem from Oregon who needed a $200,000 buyout from his Oregon contract. And Lombardi's like, I'm not even really sure they get this guy in the door because Kraft doesn't want to pay that 200 grand. Uh, that, that's so really insane. It's pretty interesting. He's spending $250 million to like revamp the stadium. I do think there are money, pro not money problems, he doesn't have it, but I think money and disagreements about money was part of our failure last year. Uh, I say all that to say, I'm going to the season with a big open mind uh, I mean, I love the Bill O'Brien hire. Teapot is the best. Uh, but yeah, do I want Lamar? Yes, I want Lamar. It's it's kind of crazy that we haven't gotten in on him. Um, I mean, it's crazy. No one's got, I mean, it's fucking April 11th. It is. Uh, we're, we're a prime candidate for it, I think. I mean, the Jets should, but, you know, they prostrated themselves for Rodgers. Yeah, as a, as a Patriots fan, you got to feel great about that. I mean, it feels oh, like it's they're amazing. more like It's so embarrassing. What a loser franchise. Like they're more likely to make the playoffs with Mike White than Aaron Rodgers on ninety million dollars a year or whatever. Like, like it's, they, it is maybe they, maybe they will make the playoffs. They're not going to win the Super Bowl, and that's the only thing that matters for that deal. And like they have sort of the opposite of like a rookie quarterback window. They have like a sick rookie team and no quarterback. So for them to bet their non-quarterback rookie window on Rodgers seems pretty strange. Um, but I, yeah, I, I guess I am excited for the Patriots. I'm a process truster with regards to our off season. Like anyone who's shouting for DeAndre Hopkins, like calm down. Uh, I just have a little faith. We're going to do the right thing for all the shit Belichick gets at the GM. I think it's actually pretty good. Like, yeah, trading for Muhammad Sanu, trying to keep Brady was not great. <laughs> He's done 5,000 moves. Our last two drafts have actually been good. You actually talked shit to me on draft night about picking Taekwon over Sky Moore. Uh, and I didn't panic in that well, moment because I think I think we both lose that one. I don't know. Maybe oh, Taekwondo really? is Taekwondo better. Would be good. Hey, Sky Moore scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. So Skymore how many... is not a thing. <laughs> no, he's not. Although, although I do have, uh, I don't know what are what are drafters going to do? Are they going to pimp Richie James to the tenth round or Sky yeah. Moore to the tenth round? Sky Moore can't be a thing this year. 
I think I think the the sickos on underdog.com are gonna try and make Sky more a thing. I don't think I don't think they have a choice. Richie Just, James, like I'm I, I like pitching picking Ricky James late. A tenth rounder doesn't feel late enough, but yeah. Uh all right, man. Let's get out of here. Uh everyone, Nick Rudman, director of communications and Jack of all trades at Underdog Fantasy. Uh don't be mean to him on Twitter. Uh he's he he's doing he's doing the absolute best that he can here on the program. And I will be back next week. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these. But did you know that the U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut. If you think you can... Visit airforce.com to learn more. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.